0: Live from the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. It's throw the flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Amazing. Does that music make you want to go on an adventure? Or
1: I've never seen Back to the Future, so it's hilarious to me. Oh my! You get out. You're fired from America. <laughs> you are
2: fired from America. You gotta, wait a minute. He he threw you a softball, and you did not take it and go every morning. On the show with Willie is an adventure. I figured uh, that was coming right. I mean, you're so quick usually. I thought that was coming. Well, quick. I'm,
1: I'm quick with the honesty. You can't expect yeah. me to have all the lies teed up right away this early.
0: On ESPN Las Vegas. It's a beautiful morning. Here we go. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. You know what's going on. Throw the flag. ESPN Las Vegas down here at the... D- Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle Sportsbook, Gooch, Willie Ramirez back again. And we only have like a few more weeks left of this show, Willie. It feels like, it feels like, I I feel like we're just starting to bond and now they're going to tear us apart again.
2: Yeah, I was going over this with uh, Brian yesterday, the guy who supposedly is, you know, orchestrating this whole thing. But he, he was so busy putting together and extending the Friday show with Cofield and we only got four weeks left together. Yeah. He's
0: too busy putting together this TCU float, building yeah. it on top of his car.
2: Yeah. but I'm uh, rooting against TCU today just because of that. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just since, you know.
0: I want all of you, Brian. I I'll want le- all of you. <laughs> I don't want this part-time. Throw the flag needs you. So, uh, Willie, we got a lot to get to today, man. We got Lindsay. obviously, she's going to be breaking down the VGK, which – I just, I like having her a part of the show, Lindsay. I'm giving you the thumbs up. Oh, thank
1: up. you. I'm I'm a huge fan of being a part of the show, at least for the next four weeks.
0: Right on. All right, that's enough from you. And then we're going to move on. Wow. To, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> we got JBT. He's stopping by Jonathan Bontobel. Jay Schrader, former Raiders quarterback, and me and Willie hanging out.
2: Well, don't forget, we have Lindsay Rhodes Lindsey Rhodes talking fantasy football and- from Sirius uh, Radio, and and um, she she does the the Rhodes the Rhodes podcast. Yeah, the but NFL ta- Road Show. The NFL Road Show. She talks. Uh, she talks NFL fantasy too. She had me on earlier this week on her show. I was like, hey, you know what? I want to get her on my show. So I definitely wanted to. She she hit me up this morning. She's like, hey, I can. By the way, I can do nine fifteen. I was like, hey, great, because. Gooch loves fantasies.
0: I love fantasy. I love it all the way
2: across the board. Uh,
0: I'll tell you what is weird though. It's pretty cold outside. Like yeah. it is cold outside. It's you great. Can, you I can look it. at my chest, and you could probably cut some glass with my my nips. But my thing is, is you are wearing shorts right now.
2: I was looking. At, I, well, what's crazy is you say look at your chest when you turn to the side, you sort of disappeared, right? Because <laughs> that paper thin bird chest of yours. Bird chest. So yeah, I. But yeah, shorts and a hoodie. Same thing I wear in July, I wear in December, November, yeah, whatever But is. you're always coming from the gym. Uh, no, today I came from the house, but I will be going to... Well, actually, I'm not going to the gym. I'm not going to the gym. Um, I, I'm going to go later, as it turns out. I was going to go after the show. Um, one of the Twin Peaks girls, the one at the, at the hostess stand, who takes care of me all the time and, and Cofield on our Monday night show, um, we were talking fitness, and she wants to get a workout in. I gave her some perfect gear, so... Um, turns out she lives up on my side of town, so we're going to get a wicked leg session. Yeah, when she gets off work.
0: You were talking about my bird chest, but I think what really made me insecure when I saw it is your calves, because I have like zero calves. Yeah. It's like I, I just have stilts below the knees. Those you know, are genetically
1: if, predetermined, though, Gooch. You're yeah, okay. I, are they? I, I, <laughs> there's a, lar- <laughs> a large part of the calves are genetically predetermined. I had this conversation during my playing days when I spent a summer trying to get calf muscles. It did not work because oh. it's not my genes
0: oh so i could blame my parents yeah Yeah, but i bet you
1: that
2: Lindsay has a ridiculous core because she played goalie she's got to be in that goalie stance she's i mean she played hockey dude and you know she's from the frigid i mean minnesota Minnesota. yeah she's probably got like a rock like like i could i could probably stick Lindsay with jordan for like three months (laughs) and she'd be ready to step on stage and do it like a physique competition i like that now now Lindsay, when you when you played hockey, did you ever like
0: lay into anybody out on the so ice? I was a goalie. I was
1: a goalie. And so okay, I, I liked the yeah, pretty much. My I was trying to play goalie my first game ever and my parents were like, "Please don't do this to us." So I got in the second game ever, but I, I would certainly get into some scuffles here and there. I I wasn't a huge after the whistle uh, kind of knuckle dragger, but if you were standing in front of me, during the play, I'm going to cross-check you in the back. And so, like, it, spinal cord would be definitely bruised.
0: It. I like that. And there's always so many things you could do with all that gear on. So, it's like just kind of giving like a question, like, get out of here. Get out of the box. I love like, when goalies it. do that. Like, yeah.
2: like Flurry, we used to always tease Flurry, Like, if, if there was more, like if everybody fought, it wasn't just like Reeves and somebody, but like forward versus forward, defense, whatever. There was four or five, you know, pushes, whatever, scrums. There was one time we were, he, he started skating out of the crease and toward the – he got as far as the dots, and he was looking across to see – and I can't remember which team it was. I want to say it was the first or second season. And he was waiting for the – we asked him. He, it's, if you Google for, far enough back in YouTube, I think it was in his junior days or his – I don't know if he ever did. I think he went right to the pro. So, but he did definitely – there's a goalie fight video of Flurry.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, it would be it's, great for the bit that would be totally on brand for him if he went to center ice because once you cross that line, it's a penalty that they just broke out rock, paper, scissors, like as everyone else is brawling around them. That'd be just, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't
2: think that he would do it because I really do, do think he wants to throw. And I think there are some forwards and defensemen that would love to throw with him because he was always classic for whacking people. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: You're in my I mean, way. Get out if, of my way.
2: But if two goalies are facing off, that'll be like the safest fight That's of all That's happened before. He, oh, it who, a was lot. It that, who was it? Who was it? Who in one of the most notorious ones? Chris
1: Osgood was always involved. Like what between the the Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings, That's there it. were That's always it. haymakers That's thrown. It. I was going like, to say someone oh, from the Avs. Patty Waugh was an absolute. Patrick
2: Waugh, yes, yes. Yep, Lindsey. We got to get you to to throw down, even though, even if you're not in the net. We're going to find someone to press for. I don't like being punched. I'm too big of a wuss. But how important is it, though,
0: for that goalie to have that edge?
1: I think it's important. I mean, some people, there's never too high, never too low. A a goaltender that plays with fire a lot is Jordan Binnington of the St. Louis Blues, where he'll get really worked up. He'll start swinging a stick at people's faces in between whistles and stuff. But there's there's a competitive health thing that you should have in terms of, this is my crease, this is my net front. If you're in the way, you should have a price to pay for it.
2: Now, listen, here's the thing. I'm wondering if Gooch may get in a fight tonight because, you know, he brought up a couple of weeks ago to Angela Johnson Reyes when she came on the show about hecklers. Did you – Lindsay? you ready? Usually, Gooch – well, let me just tell a quick story before I say – he's headlining the Jimmy Kimmel Club tonight. So I told him who I was really – I told him who I was really good friends with from way back in the day. And he was like, oh, man, I love that dude. And then you happened to share Roy Wood Jr. on your Instagram story the other day. So I talked to Roy. He called me. Um, I, I DM, I was like, Hey dude, I thought I had your, I know I had your number, but I've been through three, four phones. So he texted me to me, yo, Roy say, uh, lock me in. We hooked up the next day. He's coming on in a couple of weeks. Love it. Our guy, Roy Wood Jr. Fantastic comic fr- comic from the daily show. I mean, I remember before the daily show when he was, you know, doing the, imitating the, the police scanner and he he's got so many funny bits. He used to do prank calls. Anyway, he knows who you are. Yeah. He said oh, he, We've come I, a long way from the dispensary
1: shows. Gooch. I said I have a
2: co-host who's a comic here in town. He runs the the local circuit. I think he travels the West Coast circuit as well. But he knows some people, you know, blah blah blah. But he's a big fan of yours. I mean, you know, he's I don't know if he's up and coming where he's at really. I mean, we just got to know each other. So he goes, I says his name is Brandon Hall. He goes by Gooch, he goes, Gooch, that's my guy. I know Gooch. Yeah. Dude, he
0: is so funny. And he has got some. He, one of my favorite things that Roy Wood Jr. does is he's got a way of calling everything back. He is a
2: brilliant yes, stand-up does, comic. Yeah, no yeah. matter
0: what. You, and here's the thing: a lot of people think that because he was on the Daily Show and stuff, he's going to be political. He's really not. And if anything, he just if anything, he just brings up valid points. And it's yeah. just he's that's what a great comic he, is supposed to do. And, and I love him for he
2: it. He does what I, what also I love with him, which makes a good comic. I'm sure you could t- speak to this is. He takes a specific news item, not like not like an election or this, but he'll find a news item, bring it to light, and then run it, let it run its course and then drop it. And not carry it out because the bit runs old. He did a bit on a chimp, chimpanzee, where this older woman, and I can't even remember how it went. You know how it is when someone tries to repeat a joke. People just look at you like, I guess you have to be there. But it's still to this day, if I could ever find I, – I can't tell you how many times I've Googled that just to – like you're having a low light and you want to Google a comic that makes you laugh. I told you I do that yeah. all the time. That's one of the funniest bits he had ever done. But he did it like on a college campus when he did a college stop. Gooch, this dude is one of the most creative, funniest guys. Birmingham, Alabama guy. Roy Wood Jr. I can't wait to have him on.
0: And you know what else I like about him too is he's, he's not afraid. Right, you know, there's a lot of comics out there that will pull back uh, on the material. You got guys like Dave Chappelle, who I look at and I'm like, it just seems like they're just being uh, shocking just to get people talking. Yeah, but I, get...
2: I I know exactly. I'm sorry to cut yeah, you off. Yeah. I know exactly where you're going with that, what you're saying, but I'm not gonna let. I, I'm not gonna go there with Chappelle because Chappelle's a genius. No, he's a
0: genius. This is he's what I'm a, saying. He's a genius. This is my thing. But I. But right now. Right now, I think Roy Wood Jr. is a better stand-up comic than Dave Chappelle, the philosopher. Okay. That's the thing. Dave okay. Chappelle, you've, you've seen comics that have been doing it for a very long time. Dave's been doing it for 35 years. Yeah. He he has a way of breaking down breaking down society, and as his audience, we, let, we give him the time necessary for him to get his thought out. Now, sometimes that might be a little bit longer than what it was back in the day, but Roy Wood Jr. is, like, still giving out these same topics, but he's bringing, like— so much comedy, and he's squeezing every bit of juice out of every bit. Like I love him.
2: Well, let's so let's shameless plug. Why not? Uh, tell us about tonight, and where can they come find you? So tonight I'm going
0: to be down at Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club at the Link. Uh, I'm actually going to be there all all night. So I'm at, I got seven thirty and nine thirty. I'm hosting for Nick Thune, and then uh, at eleven thirty I'm going to be headlining that show. Um, it's great. Swing on by, man. It's going to be a great time. That's that's fantastic. Yeah.
2: I love now, it. now you've done the local circuits, the Brad Garrett Club. You've yeah. done, you're right? But have you ever been like the guy? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. Yeah.
0: I've been the guy. Uh, there's a the L.A. comedy club at the Strat. I've been the guy like all week long. They had me up on the the billboard and stuff. Like whenever you drove by the Strat, there'd be my dumb face. And
2: uh, you know, I dumb.
0: Thanks, <laughs> man. But I mean, but like you know, it was just. Uh, but I've I've been here for a while and I've kind of carved out a little niche. And and my thing is this. Look. I don't want to tour I love I love my job I love Vegas and I love stand-up why can't I have all of it
2: yeah I, I you know what I love I love comedy but I don't love late nights otherwise I would be there like I literally was exhausted for Angela Reyes stepped on stage at 10 o'clock I'm two hours into REMs so oh. I was I was I was lost tired dude. so and I got an 8 a.m tomorrow at the Westgate you got to be over there dude yeah, dude you I'll better be make there. it because I'm not be filling there. in for you I'll be there all right, we are off and running, throw the flag. It is your Saturday show on ESPN Radio with Willie, with Gooch, with Lindsey. I got Mateo on my left. When we come back, we are going to take it national for some NFL chat with Lindsey Rhodes. Treasure Island, throwing the flag, ESPN Las Vegas.
3: I
4: love, I love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. Um, they've had nothing but success, you know, way more success than I've ever had, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice. What we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort, pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice. But they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like, just so we can be there for each other. Wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader that pisses me off. Man,
2: well fantastic. let me Okay, so <laughs> I'm applauding you, Lindsay. Lindsay, listen. That
1: was totally on accident. It was <laughs> randomized and it was brilliant and there's nothing like live radio.
2: Okay, so so before we bring on our special guest, let me just so let me just explain here. So we hit we hit the audible. Lindsay Rhodes texts me and says, hey, I can come on at 9-15. I call Lindsay Brown. Hey, let's get that car. Or she says, let's get the car audio. Okay, don't worry. I'll throw a music bed under it. I said, okay. Here we have car choked up, and then we have a nice little
0: Never going to give up, beat. and it
2: fits. Ne- That's the thing. Well, he's never going to give the Raiders up. How's that? The there you message go. fits. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're off, we are off and running. It is Lindsay Rhodes, NFL Annas, the NFL Show podcast. Lindsay, good morning. How are you?
5: Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> well,
2: we are having a good time. We are here at Treasure Island in Las Vegas. We are in the sports book, and uh, it seems like you and I just spoke. Oh, wait, we did. <laughs>
5: right. I'm never going to give you up.
2: Yeah, there yeah. you go. Oh, nicely done. Well, when I came on your show, we spoke Raiders. So I guess my question back to you is to start, what are your thoughts on what's going on with this team in Las Vegas?
5: Let's just trade thoughts. Um, my, I guess my overwhelming thought, I, I mean, we all understand that the season's have been incredibly underwhelming from a Raiders standpoint. This isn't how any of us expected it to go. I, I just think it's, I think it's complicated, right? Like I'm not in the building and so I'm not seeing the interpersonal dynamics and stuff like that. It's hard for me to not sitting where I sit, think that some of it has to reflect poorly on the coaching. Um, and there's clearly personnel situations and a lot has been made about the number of people that have been drafted by the Raiders over the years that are no longer on the roster. And, you know, so I guess there's an argument to be made, like what, what are they supposed to do? But when we look at the offense and then also obviously the injuries this year, no Waller, no Renfro for long stretches of a time. And then for the rest of the season, that, that is, that's hard to work with. So they haven't been what we expected them to be. I feel like, the things that we're hearing people say, though, like that soundbite that you just used from Derek Carr, where he's talking about, he's alluding to a lack of buy-in, and, and then Devontae Adams backing that up, and then literally, like, the next day, Josh McDaniels coming back and saying, I have no problem with people's effort. Right. To me, I almost feel like that points to the lack of leadership, unless he's saying something completely different behind closed doors and just wants to do a 180 narratively in the public. Um, and not point the fingers at his team, I kind of feel like what his leaders on the team were saying is we need someone to step up and 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 point this out. We need the thing that no one's saying to be said. We need someone to step up and really guide this ship. And I don't think we've seen that personality of Josh McDaniels in the past. Like well, yeah. Rick and Sasha, I'm not saying he should he should have, you know that they should have given him the job. But the contrast between what we saw from this Raiders squad last year that played better than they actually were from a roster standpoint and exceeded expectations to then turn around and have such a totally different dynamic taking place, I, I feel like it points to a leadership gap.
2: Yeah, it's it. there's been a lot of tap dancing since last Sunday's press conference, uh, postgame presser. That's for sure, um, especially when – a uh, local beat writer puts out there that sources are saying Darren Waller, and then Waller ends up being available on the Thursday. And, um, and without even being asked about Derek Carr, Waller says, well, Derek and I have talked. So, obviously, there's a buy-in or there's a, there's a thought process that Derek was the source saying that there's frustrations. But I think there's more to it than, we're, than like you said, you know, it's, it, there's just a lot of tap dancing this week, which you and I talked about on your show as a whole. Um, the AFC West coming into this season, right, especially as a national yeah. NFL analyst, this was supposed to be the division, and it's insane to yeah. think that that's what it was supposed to be, and now it's not, and it's more of a disappointment outside of the Chiefs.
5: It, it has 100% been a disappointment outside the Chiefs. For me, the Denver thing is not particularly surprising, and this isn't to pat myself on the back, but I talked to a lot of people in the offseason season that were connected to Russell Wilson or had covered Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, uh, people who grinded tape, people who pointed out that we have seen some indication that he might, for whatever reason, uh, and I don't know what the reason is, but that there might have been some drop-off in his play in the last couple of years there in Seattle. We saw some clues there that this might not be the quarterback that they thought that they were getting when they signed him to that big deal in Denver. So I was a little bit out on the Denver Broncos. Um, also, the pass catchers, like everybody made so much about the pass catchers, and, and I thought, I, I know you can, you can point to the lack of quarterback play that they've had around him, but we haven't seen those guys really be the dudes that we keep talking them up to be. And so I didn't necessarily think that the Denver Broncos expectations made sense. So I'm taking them out of the equation. Uh, We talked about the Raiders and how they've underperformed. And this has completely shocked me. The Chargers thing, I think you can point to, I mean, the injuries have just decimated them. They clearly don't have the depth on their roster. And they were actually my Super Bowl pick. And I know this will make a lot of uh, your listeners really excited. My brother is a huge Raiders fan. is like, please stop talking about Josh Herbert. It hurts my heart. Um, I'm Justin Herbert. Sorry. Um, so I really liked the Chargers roster this year, though. I am a huge fan of Justin Herbert as a quarterback. Um, I think his skill set and talent uh, is, is incredible and in that they're going to be able to do big things around him if they can just build the roster around him that way and then they can avoid the injuries, which obviously the Chargers have this long history of bad luck in that department. But the number of people that they've lost this year to injuries, they're operating an offense like last year, Last week, they were operating an offense where he had no time to throw and then no speed in in the wide receiver group to get downfield. So, like, we've been talking all year long about this low ADOT, and I think this has been a problem for him for, like, a couple of years. The system, for whatever reason, doesn't take advantage of the arm strength and the skill set that he has as a quarterback. He has a routinely low eight It's like five, six. That's not what you want to see with Justin Herbert, in my opinion. But, like, last week, it's hard hard to expect anything different because, you know, you just don't have any time to let the plays develop. So it looks like all they have is Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert from a weapon-free standpoint. Um, This week, if those wide receivers come back, I think that that could change. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about are they coming back Because they have to come back because it's do or die time for the Chargers, or is it because they're really ready to come back? And so, um, you know, the jury's out on whether or not they'll be able to turn this around uh, down the stretch. But but you're right, it's been a completely underwhelming division. Meanwhile, the NFC East is like blowing people away. No one expected that.
0: ESPN in Las Vegas we're speaking with Lindsey Rhodes from the NFL Road Show let's talk some fantasy Lindsay and I just want to know who's been the breakout player that nobody and I mean nobody thought would be the breakout player this fantasy season oh let's see
5: um, <laughs> well I mean, I mean, from a quarterback standpoint, obviously Justin Fields is going to be a league winner, right? And people, I think it's it's not that nobody saw it. It's just that, you know, people took him as like a backup quarterback to Stash because they knew that the rushing upside was there. This is exactly the model of quarterback that we want in fantasy. If you can also have some offensive success, that's the part that we didn't expect. Like during the off season, when we were talking about the Bears, people were laughing. Like the Bears and the Seahawks, um, people were like, what, what are they even doing there from a roster standpoint? And where the Bears are concerned, it was just the, the, they, they don't have any wide receivers. You know? And so they've, they've gone out and they made a move to get Chase uh, to Claypool to try and upgrade his weaponry in that department. They didn't utilize him that much last week, and I'll be interested to see how that changes in weeks forward. But the fact that they finally unlocked him in the run game and started using him in the way that I felt was very obvious out of the gate that they should have been using him all along. I think that's going to open things up in the passing game for him. We've seen that with Cole Komet. All of a sudden, you know, you're not passing all that frequently, but you're getting, like, guys open when you do, and you're hitting big plays. Um, So I I think that it will will help his development as a passer rather than hinder it, um, which is kind of counter to some of the narratives that are out there. But Justin Fields is obviously a huge surprise from a running back standpoint. He's not a surprise, but he's way outplayed his value, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson was RB thirty six nice. in your in your fantasy draft, and went around the one hundred ADP range. Now he's going um, he's RB nine on the season. I mean, he's just they they're using him in ways that we completely didn't anticipate because. Uh, of the way that the Patriots have usually used running backs and usually can't count on it. He's got a 66% snap rate, which is the highest by 11% um, for a Patriots running back since at least 2012 when they started tracking snap rates. And I, I think he's been a massive surprise. He's certainly one of the biggest value pieces that you could have picked up in a draft.
2: From Las Vegas, Ramondre Stevenson went to Centennial High School out here. Shameless plug, I. Oh hey, hey
0: hey, we're gonna throw it out there whenever we can. Um, so I drafted the Niners' defense on my fantasy squad, and they, and it's look they're when you know, when I watch them on the field, they look like they're doing okay. Then all of a sudden, I blink my eyes, and then everything's just going to hell. Do you stick with a defense like that, or do you just kind of look at what defense is playing a inferior like offense? I kind of feel like yeah. that also could be one of those, one of those um, you know, uh, ways to do with things?
5: Yeah, I stream defenses uh, just as a rule, partially because I don't want to use any draft capital to go get a good defense. And defense is so volatile, so offense is a little bit more predictive in terms of behaviors and usage. Um, defense is so reliant statistically on who you're playing and what they do. So if they turn the ball over, you know, or if they are loosey-goosey with the ball, then you're going to have a chance to, to pick up points in a way that almost has less to do with you. Like, you have to be able to take advantage, but you need the other person to make a mistake. So I, I tend to stream defenses, and I just chase the, the bad the bad quarterbacks, honestly. I just try and pick a defense every week that's going up against somebody. But, I mean, sometimes you find a defense and they continue to have success. But I do think that that's one where you just, you kind of need to monitor the points and, and and follow them. Like, if you have the Patriots defense this year, um, you know, they have 92 points compared to the Niners of 67 points. So the average in scoring is like a three-point-per-week uh, average that you're consistently getting out of your defense, in which case, go ahead and set it and forget it until something changes. But... Yeah, I'm a big streamer in that position.
2: Speaking of Lindsay Rhodes here on Throw the Flag with Gooch and Willie on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow her at Lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. A Rhodes Scholar, if you will. Uh, so, Lindsay, I wish. So- So much is being made about the demise of Brady and Rodgers this year, right? Is this the end, back and forth, the first half of the season? But are we sort of not ignoring and not appreciating some of the better storylines taking place, the two New York teams, the Dolphins? I mean, some of the emerging, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. I mean, shouldn't we be appreciating some of these other storylines?
5: I, I don't know that we're not appreciating them so much. I think it's been a weird year in the NFL in the sense that, like, I don't think Brady's out of it, frankly. I don't I don't think, you know, not Brady's play has been. No, <laughs> I, well, not in that division and not in that conference. You know, the NFC is somewhat wide open. I think the Eagles are the only team, and I, I think that the Niners will be in this mix also, but the the Eagles are the only team that's really, like, running away with it where we can look at them and go, yes collectively, I think, as, as a team top to bottom, this is a team that's well-coached. They've got a good roster. They rise to the occasion. They you know, they blow teams out when they're supposed to blow teams out. Obviously, that didn't happen this past week against Washington, but you, you get my drift. More regularly than not, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing um, and not playing down to the level of competition. So I think the, the Eagles are a team that really jumps out at you on, in the NFC as a team that you can count on to make a run in the playoffs. But the, the, there's been a much bigger like middle in the NFL this year than I can recall in the NFL, where you have like three teams, I think, the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, that have really separated themselves. And obviously the Bills have, you know, run into some hard times the last couple of weeks. I think that they'll figure that out. I think they're a very good team. So I think what we're seeing is that the middle being bigger makes things very interesting. You've got teams that can get away with like running the ball to stay in game. And then, you know, like, like the Falcons, I thought that they were going to be just a joke this year and right. in the mix for the number one overall pick. And all of a sudden, this approach that they keep taking where, like, Mariota's not throwing the ball and they're running the ball and they're limiting the other team's possessions it's working to a degree in the NFL this year in a way that I don't think it would have in years past. So I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift where, like, run games. And NFL Live did a really interesting piece about this being an overcorrection in terms of taking advantage of, um, you know, smaller, more athletic defensive linemen now. So now they don't have the space eaters up there on the line. And so what do you do? You run the ball because they're not built to stop that so much. They're built to stop the pass. And so we're seeing all of the scores come down. Once the scores come down, on average, you've got a lot more teams that can win any game. You know, and so I think it's been a really interesting, for me, narratively speaking, that's been my biggest takeaway from this season is just how many teams are really still in the mix as opposed to, like, normally at this time we can go, okay, they're out, yeah. they're in. There's yep. a couple of teams that are fighting for a few extra spots. This year there's a lot.
2: Lindsay, we really appreciate your time this morning. I know you got some things coming up. Where can people find you, and what do you have? Where can they find your show? Uh,
5: NFL Roadshow podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. If you're into you fantasy, know. I do one every Friday. It's out already for week 11 with my, my favorite fantasy plays and my primary thoughts about that week in fantasy. It's a really quick, like, 15-minute, 20-minute thing, so it's easy to digest and then move on with your weekend. Um, and then I also have episodes that come out on Monday and Wednesday kind of reacting to what happened in the week, uh, the NFL the week before. And then I'm also on Sirius XM Fantasy – no, Sirius uh, Fantasy Sports Radio – Um, and that is, uh, uh, um, I'm on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at, oopsie, it's one o'clock Eastern. I always have to do the adjustment. No, I don't have to do the adjustments Eastern because you guys are Pacific. Yay! Uh, 10 o'clock Pacific. There I was like going that three that three-hour math, and I'm like, yeah. why do we do that, and they don't do it for us?
2: Yes, I agree with you 100% on that. They should have to adjust to us. Lindsay. we appreciate <laughs> it, best of what she does, and I will definitely be in touch with you. We want to get you on the afternoon show. I'm going to text you about that. But thanks for coming on this morning with Gooch and I on Throw the Flag.
5: I'd love to. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: All right, Lindsey Rhodes breaking it down on the national scene and with fantasy football. When we come back, we're going to head out to Hawaii. Jonathan Von Tobel, part of the Cofield & Company crew from VEASAN Oswell, JVT is with UNLV Football. Aloha.
0: It's time to talk Rebel Football at the Golden Circle Sportsbook
2: and Bar. Mm-hmm. This is... A great intro because we have coming up the notorious JVT. I like not it. the notorious BIC. We have you know, Jonathan Von Tobo has the
0: best one percenter name you could ever hope for. Like he just sounds rich, John Von Tobo.
2: Well, and he brings it too. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like he he comes strong. He brings it strong. He's out in Hawaii. He I mean he, he I mean the guy's everywhere. Great head of he, hair he, on that guy. Yeah, it's, it's, he's all around just, you know, he's just knocking it out of the park. He's up early for us. Gooch, Willie, we're throwing the flag at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook, bar on ESPN Las Vegas.
3: JVT, good morning. Good morning, guys. You should also include uh, Gooch. My middle name is George. So if you oh. go with my full name, Wait a Jonathan. Wait. Jonathan George Vontobel. Timeout.
2: JGVT? Timeout. Do you understand, WG Ramirez, that my middle name is George? Is this why... Nice. We've become tighter, closer, we've formed a bond. Is this is this could this possibly be it?
3: Perhaps. You know, you can you can thank the late uh grandpa George, of course. Uh rest That that uh, was
2: my grandfather's name. Yeah. That's why I was the, named. Jesus. why I am named after, so Look at that. All right, JBT, well how was the flight and what did you eat last night? That's my first question.
3: So all right, so the first one is the flight was actually pretty cool. Uh I got a like, you know, like two road, like it's like a two seat to myself, so that was cool. Uh um, so the flight wasn't bad. I just read the whole time and, you know, uh, listened to some music. So I was, this was the first time out here, so this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be for a six-hour flight. Um, and you know that we're out here with Steve Cofield. Right. So that's Cofield, what that's of course, why I asked. Yeah. Yeah we, yeah. we don't want to go anywhere nice. Uh, we want to go to, like, the dive bars and whatnot. But it was awesome. We found this spot. that's called 8 Fat 8. Uh, I got, like, some pork belly bao buns, and Steve got some crazy deep-fried chicken and uh, Caleb Herring, did. former Rebel quarterback and, uh, of course, analyst for UNLV Radio, got some chicken katsu. And then we found another place where, let's just say that we were offered multiple times, like, don't you want some women to come sit with you? It was to the point where the offer was more like, this can be a transaction if you just say yes. And I was like, okay, this is, uh, hey, this is a little intense. Check, thin. please.
2: So you, yeah. so, <laughs> so, so after food, you didn't go to Duke's, you ended up at a gentleman's club, club. Flash. Splash. Okay. Oh, that's I, it. Just screams class. That's <laughs> lovely. I hope you brought antiseptic, masks, gloves, everything. Uh, I will so, say
3: this I went back to the hotel room because I was really tired. You know, it was like by the time I left, it was like 11 like 30. So, what's that? Like a 1 12, or excuse me, 2 o'clock body clock for Las Vegas time. Yeah. Uh, Steve Cofield stayed behind, and I haven't heard of him yet. I haven't heard from him yet this morning. So. That,
2: that is why earlier this week he said, "So what do you guys got on this week?" And I told him, "I said, well, as of right now, this is." He says, "Well, what are you just going to ignore us? Get JVT, have him come on." That's yeah. why he immediately just deflected how, coming on because he knew what he was going to do last night. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a business trip. UNOV football mm-hmm. versus Hawaii. It's a must-win for the Rebels the next two weeks. What can we expect?
3: Uh, yeah, I think I would agree with you. By the way, like I don't think there's really—it's not even just like a must-win. I don't know if there's really any excuse for you know dropping uh, these next two games given the status of these opponents. But look, I'll say this, Willie. Like from a respect standpoint, the betting market really respects to this team. Like they, they've been bet up from nine to eleven. They've been bet up each of the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, it, and like this is one where at least from a betting standpoint, the market really does buy into this. And I'll say this: I mean, look, you go back to last week and you play Fresno State the way that you did. I don't think there's really any excuse to come in and they say Hawaii's team, who has been among the worst in college football in terms of their defense. Right now, if you look at it metrically, 121st in the country in EPA per play. This is one where, look, if we're going to talk about winning by 11 or more points, that's a conversation we had. The point spread's a great equalizer. Uh, but coming in here and being able to win this game and be one win away from bowl eligibility, I, I would say that this is uh, this should be one where I'm coming back on a fight that is filled with a lot of happy football players because I don't think there is any way you should drop this team
0: ESPN, Las Vegas, Gucci Willie, throw the flag, Golden Circle Sportsbook down here at the Treasure Island, and uh, we're speaking with Jonathan George von Tobel, right. breaking down some UNLV, and just want to talk about the quarterback Doug, Doug Brunkfeld. Obviously, came back last week. How do you think he has looked post injury compared to pre-injury? Uh,
3: you know, I, I think he's looked all right. I think, but what part of the thing that I, you're really going to look for, Gucci, is that their offensive is pretty beat up. And so I think when you're talking about, like, going forward in a game like this, uh, how, much, how much that's going to affect him is going to be something to watch. But I think if you're looking at it from the standpoint of actual play, you know, the first, the first game back I thought was a little up and down uh, when it came to uh, San Diego State. But then after that, I mean, look, it, he was uh, against Fresno State, four turnover-worthy plays. Like, you want to cut that down a little bit more. Uh, they really didn't really uh, win or, excuse me, cover. Uh, on his back, I would say the turnover-worthy plays are the one thing you got to really cut down because since he's come back, that's been a little bit of a trouble. In the first, look, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, in his first six games before he got injured, uh, we're talking about a total of three. Since he's come back, he's committed six. That's something that can't happen anymore if you're Brumfield in this offense, especially against a lesser defensive opponent. So I would say, it like, generally positive, I think there's been some really nice throws there, uh, but just 207 and 172 yards and a lot of turnover-worthy plays, those things, I think, really need to be cut down.
2: Hawaii is a team that has not been impressive on either side of the ball. On paper alone, one of the worst in the country out of 131 teams, ranks 129th with its past efficiency, 118th in scoring, only 19.3 points per game. But when UNLV's defense has been shredded at times and looked suspect, um, is this a dangerous situation to be careful where it's kind of like Hawaii's looking at like, well, if there's a game that we can maybe display some offensive skills or – should UNLV's defense look good in this one?
3: So I think it's interesting, Willie, because in Steve and I were talking about this last night at dinner. It depends on what Hawaii wants to do because we know that they're, you know, that uh, kind of run and shoot and spread them out kind of kind offense. But if you actually look at it, um, they are actually, this is going to be a shocking stat, they are 13th in the country in EPA per play offense in terms of their rushing attack. They can really run the ball. They are a top 20 rushing attack if they want to. The problem is they don't really commit to it. And you mentioned the times at which you would looked a little bit weaker. I mean, that's been up front. That has been some of these games, yep. like, in the middle of the season, right? Air Force, Notre Dame, like we can go on and on, where the San Jose State, where their rush defense has been really, really poor up front. So I would say that if Hawaii comes in and wants to, like, dedicate some, you know, plays and actually try to grind this thing out on the ground, they're probably going to have a better offensive uh, like success rate than they have in the past. But they just haven't shown to this point that that's what they want to do. So maybe they do. Maybe that changes today. But I would say that's what you're looking for. Because I think from a secondary standpoint, they can hold up here against this offense. But if they're not going to be able to stop the run, and Hawaii kind of dedicates itself to doing that, that's where you might see a little bit of a lesser defense.
0: ESPN Las Vegas, we're speaking with Jonathan Von Tobo, And let's shift over to the NFL. Last week, I, I think everybody that appreciates sports can say that last week provided us with one of the most insane games we might have ever seen with the Vikings yeah. and the Bills. and. Vikings with the better record, and they just came off that Bills win. Very emotional win. Now they're home dogs to Dallas. This is a classic sharp line versus square bet, correct?
3: Uh, I mean, it depends who you talk to. I've talked to sharp bettors who uh, really don't understand why Minnesota is an underdog here against the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I've also talked to some sharp bettors who uh, went out and played the Dallas Cowboys. So, like, sharp bettors are never always unanimous on one side. Uh, I fall more huge on the side of I don't know why Minnesota is an underdog here in this spot to Dallas. Uh, if you look at some of the things that Dallas has struggled with this season, uh, their rush defense, which, by the way, last week gave up over 200 yards on the ground and five yards per carry, uh, is up against a relatively solid running attack in the Minnesota Vikings. And their offense, Dallas, has been below average. If you're looking at the EPA numbers, Dallas comes into the game 17th in overall offense. I- I'm not sure where the market's getting a number like one and a half. At, at the very least, two, Gooch. Uh, This is very much a teasable candidate in the Minnesota Vikings. You can tease up Minnesota. You can get them through three and through seven. You can get them up to seven and a half, pair them up with whatever side that you would like, Uh, maybe tease down the San Francisco 49ers to two, whatever your choosing is. Uh, But I think that this is one, tease up the Las Vegas Raiders if you want. Um, But I think this is one where I bet Minnesota money line, I tease them up. I am very pro-Minnesota this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Speaking of sharps, you uh, you know our next uh, segment after you after the break is is our best bet segment. We give it out. I am twelve two and one on the year. Uh, Gooch is eleven and four. And I we've been nice. building we've been building new rejoins this week. The rejoin may or may not involve the most feared sports better in the history of our era. From a sixty minute segment with a little music in the background. So I'm kind of excited for that one. You know who? Oh, I'm you got my about. interview. That's cool. Ha. yes, you and B Dub. Um, So let's talk a little action for the best bets. What's standing out for you in the NFL? I know the Sharps are on the Colts, plus 7.5 or higher versus the Eagles. It's down to 7, even money. A couple of those sharp plays are on the Ravens. That's up to 13. The Jets were a sharp play at plus 4. What stands out to you? What do you think is looking sharp?
3: So I I mentioned Minnesota. You can put me down for the Minnesota Vikings uh, if you would like as an official uh, best bet there. And one of the better bets that has been out there, and I'm going to pull this total up to see exactly what it is at this point right now, um, but what the Chicago Bears have been doing with Justin Fields and the way they have changed things up, guys, uh, with their offense, has been absolutely incredible. And the Bears, you know, the last four games have gone over the total, and uh, a lot of people are going to point to that. Uh, but one of the angles that I have been going with uh, when it comes to the Chicago Bears is their team total. Uh, their team total has been uh, in the range of about like 23-and-a-half here against the Atlanta Falcons, 23-and-a-half. I would look to bet that thing over, man. They have gone over their team total four consecutive games. If you look at it from the standpoint of Atlanta's defense, they have trouble against the run. It's just a poor defense overall. This is, again, one of those where instead of betting Chicago to be, you know, covering numbers like they failed to do against uh, the Detroit Lions, I believe in this offense to the point where I'm just going to bet them over their team totals consistently. So give me over 20. uh, Let me see. I got 23 and a half for Chicago. Give me over their team total.
0: There you go. Thank you, JVT, always coming with the numbers. JVT breaks down. This guy reads.
2: Now, JVT, I want you to tell everybody about where they can, uh, not just where they can find you because you're found everywhere, but um, explain a little in depth about you because I continue to build this up, and I don't just say it just to brag about you or buddy up, whatever. Like, I have become fascinated, Gooch, every morning. I, I sit there and I hit re- refresh on the browser about 7, 8, between 7 and 7.30 a.m. for JVT's betting market uh report in the nba and it's just kind of cool because he breaks it down from not necessarily a handicapping standpoint although he handicaps it but it's built around i love it because like you're in stock market mode so he's talking about yeah. the market and how it's being played it's almost like you're shopping the numbers you're betting the numbers and here's what the bet i love it T- tell tell everybody about what you do every single morning because i think it's fascinating
3: yeah, uh, thanks, Willie. It's up on the website, com slash jvt. Uh, it's, it's like you said, you know, it's an analysis of every single one of the games up on the NBA board every single day. Uh, and I mean every single day. It's up there every day, Monday through, uh, so Monday, through Monday, essentially, Monday through Sunday. Uh, but, like, to give you an example, today, you know, the Indiana Pacers, they have covered nine consecutive games. And when you talk about betting it from a market standpoint, this is a Pacers team at the beginning of the year was just a one-point favorite over the Detroit Pistons, a similarly rated team as Orlando. And here today they opened up at the six-and-a-half-point favorite. The market has really shifted its perception here on Indiana and has quite a bit of respect for them. And those are the little things when you view the betting market for that one, You can get an idea of where these teams are rated and how you can maybe play against some teams that have started to maybe peak a little bit in terms of their market rating. So uh, that's the kind of stuff uh, I start to uh, analyze in those uh, market reports you can find every day up on vcin.com slash so guys,
0: if you are ever wondering how people come up with those crazy stats you hear announced during sports, JVT is one of those guys that will dig deep and find those stats. The
2: one thing that you can all it's almost been guaranteed daily for the last couple of weeks is J V is is when he finds a chance to pounce against the Grizzlies, it's all about the Grizzlies defense is horrible. Well, now there's John Moran just walked
0: off the court yesterday. Yeah, he, so he
3: hurt yesterday, yep. Yeah. That, that that
0: so now they're gonna be
2: really horrible. All right, listen, JVT. I want you to be careful out there. Don't uh, don't follow Cofield into strange bars. Eat healthy as best as you can. Have some Kalua pork for me, and uh, have a great time. And we'll see you back here uh, with a Hawaiian shirt and a lay
3: around your neck. Yeah, I got a lay on the on the uh, plane when I got off. It was great. Talk you got laid you. when
2: you got off the plane. Beautiful.
3: Yeah, keeping it classy.
2: We'll see you Monday at Twin Peaks, my friend. See ya. JVT checking in from Hawaii UNOV football they're playing Hawaii we'll get you all the breakdown on the broadcast later on today that's going to be on ESPN Las Vegas in Hawaii the pregame show so on and so forth but you know what we got to get out of here so we can get back for the betting segment it's throw the flag from Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook bar Gooch Willie Lindsey Mateo we're doing it strong on ESPN Las Vegas
4: what do you see the Charger total I'm looking for 46 only for up to forty thousand under 46 for up to forty thousand. 132 what do you see the cowboy uh, total 51 and a half only for up to 30,000
0: how much money did you just bet let's uh see
4: 225 325 525 550 750 911 uh 1230 1270 1370 uh it's 1370,000 plus 10% uh that's how much I've risked
5: average sunday morning of football
2: yeah i would say that
4: before the day's over I, i'll probably end up with uh I don't know, maybe two million dollars uh, at risk.
2: Not too shabby. That is the sound of a 60-minute special. If you've never watched the 60 Minutes story on Billy Walters, the famed sports bettor, um, the most feared and the greatest sports bettor that will ever be in our time, um, that was from that. That was from what you know a piece from that uh, from that interview. Now, they say that a successful sports
0: better, you're like at fifty-one percent of your of your of your bats come through.
2: Well at fifty one percent. I wonder what his percentage you is. You don't well here's the thing. Realistically, you have to hit fifty six percent to to because you gotta beat the juice. Okay. But Billy Walters has never been he's never he's never said that he's a great handicapper where he hits high percentages, wins over losses. In that show, in that In that interview, what you'll learn is that he what he does is he he's almost like the market. If he sees a line that he doesn't like, for instance, I'm going to throw this out there: the Giants and the Lions. Let's say he wants to lay three with the Giants. There are people that chase him. He'll throw decoy bets on the Lions. So all of a sudden, he'll have he'll spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right, ten ten to twenty five to fifty thousand dollar bets on the Lions out there in different random places and people will look and see Billy right. Walters is on the Lions and all of a sudden they'll they jump they'll jump it and it'll drop the line. Then when he's ready to pounce, he'll just throw five times that one point two million on the Giants at minus two and a half. Now he doesn't have to buy the half point. That's you see so so it's manipulating like, the market pretty yes, much. It's amazing. Yes, yes, and that's where that's where when you have the capital and you can do something like that. That's what makes Billy Walter so successful over the wow. years. So, um, speaking of success, uh, we got a few minutes here before we get out. Your best bet: you're eleven and four. I'm going to go with the
0: Eagles six and a half, uh, according to the Treasure Island Goldwood Circle Sportsbook. They are favored by six and a half over the Colts. Now we all know the Colts had an emotional win over the Raiders last week, but that was the Raiders' defense. This week, the Eagles' defense is insane and they just lost to a division rival and the Washington Commanders, they're going to be upset, they're going to be hungry, I think they're going to destroy the Colts, I think it's going to be a double digit victory, maybe even a couple of pick sixes for the Eagles defense because Matt Ryan is going to be throwing.
2: And for the first time in the history of throw the flag we're going head to head, my best bet is going to be the Colts, I am with the wise guys, I am going to take Indianapolis not necessarily for Jeff Saturday, but for the one guy that I have been bragging about and that is Gus Bradley, I think he's a defensive mastermind, he's the creator of the Legion of Boom from Seattle, Um, and he is the reason why the Colts were able to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. He's the reason they were able to beat the Chiefs, and they came close to beating the Broncos that one week, but that's not too hard to do. But he's the reason that the Colts are somewhat still in the AFC South. It's Gus Bradley's defensive mind, and they're going to want to be very careful in going into Indianapolis after last week with this new regime and the hype and everything that's going on they're going to want to play keep away. And, and, and if that means running the ball a lot, play a little keep away and a low-scoring game, I'm not going to necessarily jump on the under. But Matt Ryan being brought on was also a very smart move by Jeff Saturday. So I think it's going to be closer than you think. Um, I understand what you're, what you're saying in terms of coming off of an, a loss, the first one of the season. But uh, playing angry against a hungry team that all of a sudden has new life, new vigor. Is is very dangerous to do So my pl- my best bet Is going to be the Indianapolis Colts
0: Can I just say this? This sure. week might be the most difficult Week I've had to pick. It's been tough
2: Oh no, I'm not going to. All of a sudden you're Backtracking. No, no. I'm not backtracking uh, uh, I'm yeah, yeah, saying yeah, I this week has been I, tough I don't like that and, and I and I purposely <laughs> stayed Away from the Vikings-Cowboys game just because My girl lives. That's
1: right! You stay yeah. Away!
0: I almost took the Browns uh, uh, Over
2: because it got It's still and like 41. And what did I tell you last week? I said I'm making a big mistake by giving out a best bet with my heart and I lost with the Cowboys for the first time uh, for I don't know how many weeks, but I lost. I'm 12, 2, and 1 combined. We're 23, 6, and 1. Are you kidding me? Who's going to come out on top? Is it Gooch? It's, It's Willie. He's got the Eagles. I got the Colts. We are back with former quarterback Jay Schrader. Throw the flag, ESPN Las Vegas.
3: What are the Raiders doing? What is Josh McDaniels doing? I, I don't understand. You got rid of Rich Basaccia to bring in Josh McDaniels. He came in and turned the roster upside down, shook it up a little bit. And now look at them. You got, in fact, you got your quarterback so distraught and so emotional. He came to the podium with tears. Unbelievable.
2: That is the sound of Keyshawn... Johnson on Keyshawn J will and Max with a nice little music bed from LL Cool J. I need love because well, the Raiders need a lot of love, Gooch. a lot of hugs, a lot of hugs, a lot of hugs, a lot, a lot of, of therapy. Hug. A lot of there was a lot of tap dancing after uh, after last Sunday's press conference. Um, it's Gooch, it's Willie. We are at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We're throwing the flag here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're going to get into that in just a minute with former NFL quarterback Jay Schrader as we welcome him to the show. We got we got some feel good stuff to talk about before we get into these Raiders. Jay, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing a lot better than the current. Raiders, that is for sure, no uh, doubt, no <laughs> doubt. But I, I want to get into it real quick because you know it's the top of the hour. It's a, it's a Saturday morning. We want people to to know, uh, you know, some some. We want to we want to hear some good fun stuff, some good feeling stories. And um, you have been selected uh, as the Silver and Blacks nominee for the 2022 Salute to Service Award. Um, Shiloh Ranch, headquartered uh, for the Liberty Projects your commitment to supporting the military uh and if explain a little bit about that and then we'll talk about what you just did uh with a busload of uh personnel taking the trip out to shiloh ranch
4: yeah so shiloh ranch uh it's it's vets and uh we have a unique program my partner jp hoffman is a army ranger retired um gentleman who is a cowboy through and through. So we do a little bit something different for our vets. It's hard work. We want to reform them. Uh, we say we want to repurpose the horse and repurpose our military. So uh, we rescue wild Mustangs. We bring in combat vets uh, to do equine therapy, train these wild Mustangs, and um, help them with their PTSD. So uh, it's quite a project. It's a lot of fun. It is hard work, but uh, the rewards are phenomenal.
2: Uh, and, and that's what I was going to ask you. You said it helps them with their PTSD because I'm reading this sentence from the press release. The ranch allows veterans and outlet to interact with horses for training, rehabilitation and camaraderie. The mental health that they get when you're dealing with animals. I mean, the ho- horses are such, you know, wild or not. They're such it's such a beautiful creature um, and they can bring such somewhat solitude to you. How, the mental health aspect of this, how, how important is that?
4: Well, it's it's super important. And one of the big things that uh, we have found out, uh, these be- big, beautiful creatures, these wild Mustangs that we bring in, uh, are very unique, and horses in general are very unique. You know how you have that interconnection with people when you get real close to them? You feel like you're comfortable and all that. Well, a horse can sense that about six feet away, okay? And the ideal thing about working with these big, beautiful, wild uh, Mustangs is this, is If you walk in there and you're pissed off, you're going to get a pissed-off horse. If you walk in there calm, you're going to get a calm horse. They are a mirror reflection of what you feel internally. So for our veterans, when they walk in there, it's a way they have to be able to calm themselves before they work with these wild mustangs. And uh, It's just a beautiful therapy, and it works out extremely well.
2: Speaking with Jay Schrader, spent five seasons with the Raiders, starting quarterback, spent 11 years overall in the NFL. Uh, and during your tenure with the team, both as a player and now as an alumnus, you really did show a lot of support for the community. Raiders as military partners is, is you know and in, in sort of just this salute to service um, campaign, if you will. Why, since I mean, since your playing days and in, into now as an, as an alum, why has this always been important to your heart?
4: Uh, it's been important because I I do appreciate uh, what all the men and women did to, to serve our country. Uh, to give us this free country, to be able for guys like me to go play games game for a living uh, and to enjoy that in, in peace. And uh, that has not been forgotten on me. They have done a lot for us, and I, I will do whatever I can to help them out.
2: This has always been a, a, an organization that, you know, with, with a great outreach, we're going to talk about later in the show, Gooch and I, but they're doing something uh, with Thanksgiving meal box distributions and that's coming up Tuesday, Allegiance Day. I'm going to be talking about that later on in the show. But I want to get into this year's team, Jay. Um, you heard coming back, um, Keyshawn talking about Derek Carr. We played some sound earlier. You, I'm sure you've already seen, obviously the press conference from last game. I, 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 I was the one that kind of asked him the question about the disconnect from the coaching staff, and and he paused, and that's when he broke down on the on the lectern there and um, sort of got into it. And I felt they were genuine. You know, some people said. Some crocodile tears, some maybe called him out. I I feel it was a very genuine emotional outcry, if you will. Um, But the tap dancing since then and the different, different press conferences we've seen between McDaniels and Carr and Devontae, I'm just not sure if the placement is correct, who's to blame, what's going on. What is your read on what's taken place since last Sunday and everything else you're reading and seeing and hearing?
4: Yeah, and and I don't blame. I, I'm right there with you. I thought uh, what Derek did was genuine. I thought he cared. I thought you know he he wants to be the best, and that's and you know you you got to praise him for that. Yeah, nobody's going to fault him for that. The bottom line is the the stars on the team aren't playing like stars. Uh, other than Max Crosby, um, you know they're not playing up to the billing of what everybody thought they were. Why is that? Who knows? Okay. Uh, is it part coaching, not putting in the right spots? Is it the players not having years like they've had in the past? It's a combination of all those things. And it's frustrating as all gets out, uh, all get outs. And as a player, you know what you're capable of do- doing. You know you want to play better. It's just not happening. Um, and it's been kind of the snowball effect. And um, I think it's too late to correct for this year, but they can start building on it uh, for next year and trying to try get that back.
0: So after last week's loss, Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, came out and said Rome wasn't built in a day when he was asked about Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think he's downplaying? Do you think he's already made his commitment to McDaniels for next year?
4: Oh, I think he's made his commitment to Daniels next year, and no question about it. But, again, what what's he supposed to say, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> let's be realistic. What's he supposed to say? Um I think that uh, Josh will be back next year, and I think next year will be, you know, if they don't get off to a fast start, then then something, then it'll be in hot water. But I think I think he'll give them this year, and going in, have another full training camp, and see what they can do.
0: And you also want to see Josh McDaniel get some of his guys in there. I mean, some of these players, they were first-round draft picks that just have not produced. and Farrell, they just released Jonathan Abram. That one draft, they walked away with a running back in the first round, which is great. Josh Jacobs is great, but you have to hit on those draft picks. Is there anything in the Raiders organization that's going on right now to make sure that they improve the scouting?
4: Well, I I don't know the ins and outs of that. Um, okay, yeah, I know they they've missed on some first rounders and those. Yes, you're correct. Those guys, you've got to hit them. Uh, they've got to be players for you, and they've got to be impact players right away. Um, you look at Josh Jacobs, and you look what they've done getting Devontae Adams. You can't get a better draft choice than Devontae Adams. Okay, so let's you know let's be realistic. There, you got the top receiver in the league in in my estimation. Um, we just got to figure out a way to. Allow him to play like the top receiver in the league.
2: Yeah, and you know, and the much is always that's one thing that keeps you being brought up every time that this team has lost this season, is you know, the. The draft picks, but, th- you know, they. we can only really judge this regime on one draft. The, these other guys that are now gone and we have uh, just a couple remaining from the previous regime and Gruden and Mayock. Um, the problem I'm having with is McDaniel's comment this past week where he said, you know, we knew it was going to be a long time project or we knew it was going to take some time, whatever it was. To me, that's a, that is a 100% BS, Jay. Uh, you know, you don't spend millions of dollars to bring in, which I agree with you is the the best wide receiver in the game. You don't extend Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Derek Carr, albeit that's a one-year guarantee for Derek. You don't put all this money on the line and think to yourself, and, and on top of it, sort of slough your way through rotating 15 offensive linemen throughout the preseason and thinking it's a long-term project. They did not think this was a long-term project. They 100% thought that they were going to contend for the AFC West title.
4: Absolutely. I don't care what they say now, but that they were supposed to be – not only were they supposed to contend for the AFC West title, they were supposed to go fairly deep in the playoffs, right? And it wasn't that the expectation. And, you know, they're just not living up to that, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's been it's been a tough year, and it's been a tough year emotionally uh, for those guys. So uh, we'll see how they can fight through it and go from there.
0: ESPN Las Vegas. We're speaking with former NFL quarterback Jay Schrader. And Jay, you were a part of history when you replaced Joe Theismann on Monday Night Football after many still refer to as the most gruesome injury they've ever seen after Lawrence Taylor broke Disman's leg in 1985. But you came in and you helped the Skins hold on to the victory. But when that injury took place, did you have any idea how bad it was and what went through your head when you finally saw the actual replay?
4: Well, a couple of things. Number one, uh, you realize it's a bad injury when all the players start pointing and trying to get the uh, the training staff out there as soon as they can. So you got background music at BYU here going. So let me see if I can help you there. But, um, good but you, you're always, good, actually. You're good. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so you know how bad the injury is, right? There. My thought, my immediate thought was, hey, I'm the only other quarterback on the roster. I got to get it through the rest of the night, and that's Lawrence Taylor. So (laughs) now I got to go face him. (laughs) You know, uh, I hadn't I hadn't been on the football field before, so I had to figure out a way to go in. And you know, we're fortunate to throw two touchdown passes, win that game, and uh, get on a roll. So it it was a lot of fun. But uh, you know, as a player, you know that that's always in the back of your mind. One play, one hit, your career could be done. Uh, And when it hits home that close, it's tough to go through. But You know, this is a unique game. Somebody gets hurt like that, and, you know, a few minutes later, all of a sudden you're back doing it again. Um, You got to put that in the back of your mind and you
3: got to go play.
2: There, you know, and I'm not even trying to insinuate that Lawrence, you know, that that was a dirty hit or anything on, on Lawrence's part. But when you look back at your era, and the hits that so many of you took, the defensive backs that just stuck so many wide receivers, you just you think about the violent nature in which football was played back then compared to the violent nature in which football is played now. But how the football player is thought of somewhat first in the protection. What's your thoughts on just the comparison of eras and the evolvement, the, how, how it's evolved in terms of protecting the quarterback, the rule changes, the hitting?
4: Oh, it's it's night and day. It's a completely different game. There's no question about it. I remember, you know, I think it was 86, 87, uh, the referees came in and they, you know, in preseason, and they said, hey, you know, we're going to go over the rule changes and I want to let you guys know we're going to start protecting the quarterbacks a little bit. So my – my ears perked up, right? It's like, okay, what are we, what are we talking about? And the rule was stated to us this way: guys, we're going to treat the quarterbacks just like if you're playing basketball. If you're within two steps, like you're going for a layup, you can still hit them, whether he's thrown the ball or not. After two steps, we'll flag them. So wow. think about that. I mean, any, I mean, we got hit every play, and heaven forbid that we threw an interception because we were the target. Uh, of everybody so I got the the greatest advice ever from Dan Marino he said if you ever throw an interception just go to the sidelines Don Shula used to tell him just to run right to the sidelines because he'll he'll get the ball back.
0: (laughs) Would you say that the NFL is more of a business now and not a war like it was in the 80s?
4: No question no question it is a global multi multi multi-billion dollar you know industry all over the world uh, and everything else look at the international games look at the way that you know games have been played in london since i've played and uh they've got all kinds of things going on all over you know the entire world uh about american football so yes it's a global game and it is a big business
0: did the players treat it like a business back in the 80s like they do now
4: um i don't you know i don't think so it was more of we played the game as as gladiators um back then it was more you know a lot of playing football was, hey, look, you can knock me down as many times as you want, but I'm still going to find a way to get back up. Uh, it is definitely a business now. You know, these guys are very well taken care of. They know a lot more how to take care of their bodies, everything else. Um, so it's it's just a different game. I think back then we still played it for the enjoyment. Yes, it was a business. It was our livelihood. But, uh, you know, it was it's nowhere near uh, what it is today.
2: Yeah. Jay Schrader, we really appreciate you jumping on and spending some time with us this morning. And uh, Where can people find you, and what do you got coming up? uh, Tell our listeners uh, what's going on.
4: (laughs) Well, I've got the BYU-Utah Tech game this afternoon on radio, so I'm sitting here in Provo. It's 30 degrees outside. Looking down on the field, it's absolutely beautiful, so... Uh, got that going on, and then I'll be, you know, with the Raiders doing the salute service and uh, ask everybody to jump on and vote for me there. And uh, they can vote once a day, every day. You can go to NFL.com backslash salute service, and uh, that would be awesome because, you know, the charity is that we do, the vetsandhorses.org is an amazing organization and just humbled and honored to be able to represent the Raiders.
2: There you go. Really appreciate it. They'll always be Dixie State, by the way, to me. You know, I went. To, I, I I used to drive up St. George to to Dixie uh, back in the seventies for the Jerry Tarkanian basketball camp. So, yep. BYU, yep. Utah Tech for Jay, and then salute service. Make sure you vote for him, Jay. We appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right. Jay Schrader checking in. So Gooch, uh, when we come back, you are throwing the flag. Man, you got plenty of issues and you got all kinds of things. And I got something cool for you on your first throw the flag. I didn't have time to pull this sound this morning, but we'll talk about it when we come back. It's Gooch and Willie throwing the flag, Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. Now.
0: <laughs> this one goes out to all the big Willies.
2: Uh, 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 do it. You know Nice. All right, here we go. Throw the flag. I, you know that. I forgot. Well, I, we switched
0: it all up. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's got a good. Got, even though it's Will Smith's got a good baseline, I'll take it. Once we, again, well,
2: Lindsey had it right on the original rundown from the original. But then when we when Lindsey Rhodes jumped in, I switched and the Gucci rejoined. us. But that's cool.
0: Look, look, Lindsey Brown still killing it. Still well, killing. It. Always kills I'm giving you the. I'm giving this. We know who to blame, the, Willie. Not Lindsey, though.
2: Mm. <laughs> but, so instead of so instead of let's go run the jewels, right? We've got. Oh, that would have been a good comeback.
0: It was a start. banger. Uh, we'll do it next week. We'll do. We'll do run the jewels okay, next week. Okay. So
2: we already have your rejoin built for that. No, we don't do it next week because there's no. By the way, no throw the flag next week. That's
0: right. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's
2: Thanksgiving weekend, so we're not going to be out here. We know that you're going to miss us. It's all right. It's I might fine. be a
0: dad by then. By the way. There's all types of stuff happening this week, dude. It's crazy. Wow. So before we get into my life, let's just throw some flags for just a second. And uh, I I, I can't believe I haven't thrown the flag yet at this, but I'm throwing the flag at sports franchises and businesses in general that suspend players and employees for testing positive for marijuana. 21 states have already legalized it for recreational use. And one thing I don't understand is in Nevada, I know people – that do smoke, and they still can't get hired. But it's legal for recreational use. If it's already legal, then game over. And not to mention, now, you brought up that you had Ricky Williams, uh, Texas running back, uh, Miami Dolphins, Saints running back, uh, and he was a huge – we all remember him getting suspended for marijuana. But, dude, this guy has got his own strand. He's done all the research.
2: And and, 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 and talk about the the greatest – talk about the greatest name and playoff of you know what his brand name is? What's that? The Heisman, but it's H-I-G-H-S-M-A-N. Oh, Heisman.
0: Dude, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield teamed up with edibles that are in the shape of an ear. Ear, yes. Yeah. 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 So, like, dude, Ricky Williams and, Evander, and, and Mike talk- Tyson, it's like, oh, your marketing is off the charts. And I
2: asked him yesterday, because I told him straight up. I was like, look, ever since, you know, a long time ago, um, when I first got married, I didn't have health insurance, but then I got married and I had killer health insurance. So I had all these checkups, different checkups that I had never really had. Physicals, went to an ortho surgeon, check out pains in my knee, everything. But this doctor, old-school doctor, he just was prescribing just in droves. Like, I had endless refills of Lortab. And I had Xanax for mental health, you know, just anxiety issues and whatever. And and, and you know what, Paduce, now um, – Both me and my son, it's like you know, we we won't even. I mean, ibuprofen after heavy leg days, it's like no, uh, uh. I would just rather go ahead and And deal with it. Yeah,
0: and deal with it. Yeah, and that's that's what my next point was. Like, I'd much rather have these athletes smoking a joint after the game instead of exposing them to the opioid crisis. Which, how many athletes have we heard, especially after they're done playing? No, now, all of a sudden, no, on they're injuries. feeding. Yes. Remember when Brett
2: Favre? Yes. That was the big story back there with Brett Favre. Like, and I even questioned, I was like, how do you accidentally get addicted to whatever it was? He It was, it was either Perks or, or, or Vikes or whatever it ha- he happened to get. But it was like, you're thinking like, yeah, yeah, an accident, right, okay. Hey, guess what? I was chewing uh, an eight to ten tap sometimes per day, just on a natural base, not because I needed it, but just it just became a natural. You just were chewing them. It's part of your routine. Yeah, yeah it became of, like certs.
0: And that's the worst part about the opioids is because unlike like if you want to roll a joint or something like that, that takes a little bit to do that. Opioids, it's like. Oh, yeah, it's right there. Bop. Just pop it right in. It's too easy. And it's easy. so
2: horrible for your stomach. It's just so horrible it's too for, easy. Your, for your mind. It's just, it's, it is, be, I can't even stress to you, It is, it's so bad for you, so bad.
0: Yeah, so I'm throwing the flag at that. And, again, it's not a performance enhancer. Marijuana is not a performance enhancer. The only thing it enhances is, I don't know, cookie dough. Doritos, PlayStation, you know, if an athlete wants to make themselves slower and more susceptible Grant to flat-out auto. laziness, yes, yes, yes. If you want to make yourself more susceptible to flat-out laziness, let them do it. If you got the Mamba mentality to be great, the the weed isn't going to stop that. You're still going to be driven to be great. All right. So that's the first one. ESPN Las Vegas, throw the flag, Gooch Willie, down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. And uh, I'm throwing the flag at quarterbacks. This was that, an interesting one. This, this is the thing. Okay, because we talk we talked about Derek Carr and I am not throwing the flag at him. Okay. Because I just felt like that was just such a it was such an emotional thing and I think that could be something that pulls players together, but I'm throwing the flag at quarterbacks that have bad la- bad body languages after losses. Now, we've seen it with every quarterback and there is varying degrees. But after that Vikings game and I understand that was an emotional game, but Josh Allen at the podium looked like Kirk Cousins stole his girlfriend. It was he just looked beside himself and i know for the last few weeks he hasn't been playing up to par but i've seen this before we saw it with cam Newton after the super bowl when he just walked off the podium and he was never the same after that and my personal favorite was baker mayfield this is maybe two years ago he showed oh this is his rookie season he shows up to the game this is right after the uh woke up feeling dangerous garbage but he shows up to the game with this shut the hell up mustache like this handlebar mustache and then after the game and i mean immediately after the game willie he shaves the mustache before the press conference and he's like I don't deserve to have that mustache that right there shows me that that is someone who is not letting go of the past they're staying in it they're in great it's like they're 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 holding on to this pain and i just think that when you see great quarterbacks like tom brady whenever he would lose Yeah, you would never see, like, the anger or the frustration. It was very canned answers. And then afterwards, maybe he would go to the locker room, hang his head, and just stay off camera. But when you put that out there for the whole world to see – Your teammate is seeing it. Your teammates are seeing it. The fans are seeing it. And it's just not a good look when the leader of your football team has got his chin in his chest.
2: We got to bring Lindsay in on this. Lindsay, what's your take on body languages of goalies after terrible games? Oh,
1: it's huge. It's huge. It's one of the things my coach has harped on a lot because it's just an indicator to everybody else where your mindset is at. And you just don't want to show any weakness in that, even if it's like the worst goal you've ever given up in your career. I'm not phased. I'm moving on from that bad moment and on to the next one because that's the only one that truly matters. And so it matters a lot to me. You it,
0: and you know and Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of flack for kind of just Worst being Worst teammate ah, ever. Worst right.
1: teammate ever. That right. guy just points fingers all day long. My coach always say if you're pointing a finger in the mirror that means there's four of them going right back at you. So there you go.
0: And there you go. And that's the thing. It's like when you look at Derek Carr, when he was overly emotional, it's because he really has genuine love for these players. He felt yeah. the love for Gruden last year. He wants these guys to win. He wants to be win with them. But like again, when you lose and it's just oh no, man, I'm you were sending the wrong message and everybody gravitates towards that. All right, and I'm throwing the flag at myself, right in my face, because I don't know what it is. If I believe in you, things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go wrong. I'm throwing the flag at myself because last week I'm like, oh, the knights, they're so elite. They're gonna. And then what do they do? Boom! Two losses back to back. Finally, they got back on track, and they finally won one. But again, it's like right off the bat, and they lost to players at teams that I kind of felt were inferior. You brought it up last week, Lindsay, where you said that Blues might have might get them on this game just because of the, the road trip or whatever. But I just kind of feel like it's my fault. <laughs> I don't think
2: that they were listening. I don't think it's your fault. But in you saying that it's it's bad, you know, uh, be careful when you back somebody. Like, I just hope that none of the comics that are opening for you tonight at the Jimmy Kimmel Club, like, I hope they're not listening because now all of a sudden you're going to go on stage, you're going to hype them up, or you're going to be, I, I, hey, I got you. And then they're just going to come on and they're going to thud. They're just going to They're just going be- to, it's going to. Nobody's going to laugh. The hecklers are going to be out in droves. And you're going to blow it for all the up-and-coming comics up there. No, Good guys. Job, take me. No, no.
0: Don't. Listen to me. Don't I'll, I'll call you by different names. Let me just. Let's again. Last week I was talking about how bad the Colts were going to be, and then the Raiders came out and blew it. It's just like, oh. and then the Browns and the Raiders are my two favorite teams. We all know what they're doing. If I believe in you, your life is going to be hard. Wow, that was well. You threw it. You threw. You threw some flags on that one. Good thing you, you, I don't have a team because that is me with my chin in my chest right now, doing exactly what I was
2: railing these quarterbacks. Yeah, you had for. terrible <laughs> body language. Jesus. <laughs> So tonight, don't forget, UNLV Hawaii, kickoff is at 7.30. Russ Langer, Caleb Herring, Steve Cofield on the call, uh, 7 o'clock pregame, 30 minutes before kickoff, UNLV Rebels versus Hawaii. They need two more wins to become bowl eligible. They play tonight in Hawaii, and they finish up the regular season against UNR Mm. at Allegiant Stadium. And, uh, We're you taking know, that th- cannon. You know, so much has been made about the four and one start, Gooch, and then, boom, five straight losses. Right. So all of a sudden, it's like, and people are saying, "Well, is it going to be a, is it going to be a disappointment, or is it, you know, is it going to be a failure if they don't become bowl eligible?" Well, here's the thing. They doubled their win total from last year in this is a Royals what third year so the fact of the matter is they've improved it's just disappointing that they started off so strong and then plummeted they also lost their quarterback midway through so if they split these last two and don't become bowl eligible I'm not going to look at it like it's been a disappointing season because they got five wins out of the out of the out of the equation I'm a hundred percent with you and this
0: is where you could start building every single season with Arroyo they've gotten better and, I mean, this year they have markedly got better from last season. Why wouldn't you want to build off that? Yeah.
2: So, all right, when uh, we come back, we are going, J- Gooch and I are going to school with Professor Brown. It is Gooch, Willie. We're throwing the flag at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Lindsey Brown, Lotus Broadcasting. What's your thought on playing soft gaps while defending zone entries? Lindsey Brown, Lotus Broadcasting. How far do you typically want players pursuing a 1v1 from the defensive structure?
2: Uh, well, it depends which player you're talking about. are talking about the D, you're
1: talking about the low forward, you're talking about the wingers. Usually the strong side forwards, wingers.
4: Marty McFly.
0: I went back to the future with the help of Doc Brown. Willie and Gooch get to look into the future with the help of Professor Brown, better known as Downtown
3: Lindsay Brown.
0: I love how Lindsay doesn't understand the Back to the Future
2: reference. Uh, I, but we're rolling with it. I love it. how neither one of you know that this is craft work numbers way back in the day and I'm just po- I'm sitting here at Treasure Island popping right now what so. makes me
0: upset about radio is they can't see you popping yeah. and the world needs to witness this once again I'm throw the flag down here
1: walk and drop it guys Robot. let's go get
0: this cardboard for the guy we're down here at the Treasure Island Sportsbook throw the flag ESPN Las Vegas Gooch Willie Lindsey Brown we're here to break down the VGK Am I just taking
1: it? Okay, so I have a few thoughts, especially with the uh, Golden Knights on the schedule to play up in Edmonton tonight. And Edmonton Oilers are a damn good hockey team. They went all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year on the backs of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman. But here's the deal. Connor McDavid hasn't scored in a couple games, and they played the Kings the other night, and the Kings were all over him in the neutral zone, and because they play a 1-3-1 neutral zone uh, in terms of their system, whereas Vegas plays a 1-2-2. And that sounds pretty complicated, but here's the deal. When you run a 1-3-1, that means you have a little bit more support in the middle, and you're able to be aggressive and really drive guys to the boards. They were able to disrupt Connor McDavid as he was getting up to speed and making him try to fight through checks. And so he was getting super frustrated, took a couple of penalties. And so one of the questions that Willie was uh, nice enough to put in the rejoiner Uh, that I asked Bruce Cassie just the other night was about the defensive zone gaps and how Vegas likes to play them a little bit more soft. They want to invite uh, their opposition into the defensive zone and then collapse on them. I don't know if that's going to work against Connor because if there's anything I don't want to give this guy, it's space, Space. especially as he moves towards the middle of the ice. And so I'm really interested to see if there's going to be an adjustment or at least – uh, a, more of a cognizance of getting that shut down because I just, you don't want that guy to get up to speed. It's almost like Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon's a little bit more of a bulldozer, yeah. but Connor McDavid is so shifty. He can get guys going one way with their hips and then will go back over. So you get kind of crossed up like you would in basketball. And the Golden Knights have great skating defensemen. But again, if they're married to that system, which is very much uh, the indicator so far this season. Um, they're going to give him a little bit more space to work with. And so will that work? I'm not really sure. I'm really interested to see it, but it's going to be a big time game tonight. And I don't expect Connor McDavid to go three games without scoring a goal.
0: Would this be one of those situations where they kind of let Connor do his thing, but they focus on everyone else and just make sure that Connor alone has to beat the Knights instead of he the, will, the he can,
1: he absolutely yeah. can. And so you you don't want that. You, you want, want to that. disrupt yeah. him as much as possible. You don't want anything easy to come to him. You want to hit him every time he touches the puck. You want to make sure that he has to fight through contact. That's starting in their defensive zone. You can't just like give up the give up the the breakouts, and so that's why I think it's important that I, I've talked about this on the show before about the diversification of the offense away from the defensemen like they had last year. Because when you have the puck up high, you're more susceptible to, to turnovers, especially if you're going to have guys that are looking to play rush hockey or rush heavy hockey, which is not the Golden Knights identity anymore. It is absolutely the Oilers' MO because they have the special talent that is Connor McDavid and his skating ability.
2: And, you know, it's I think Gooch is like your mindset, Gooch. I, I know where you're going with that. Is like NBA, right? Well, we'll just clamp down on these four and let let the star do a show. But in, remember, in hockey, you just need to get a goal. Right. Where in the NBA or in basketball, okay, we'll we'll leave the star alone and we'll focus over here. They can't all do it. The thing is, like Lindsay said, Connor McDavid can skate circles around people, and that he's amazing and with that with that space that she's talking about i mean this dude can do so much right in front of you and i mean it's you know and and it it's somewhat it's somewhat similar to what Jack Eichel's capable of doing and what mm-hmm. I've been amazed by. And uh, Jesse Granger and, and his uh, partner from – I can never remember the guy's name, but the, the, the athletic writer from Edmonton, they just did a piece that came out yesterday on the McDavid, the brewing, what could be a McDavid-Eichel rivalry. Yeah, same draft, the, same,
1: division, same, yep. yeah same draft class. Because they're in the
2: same division, same draft class, same division. And all of a sudden, if Edmonton and Vegas come down to it in March, April – and you know what I mean? And you have two of the best skaters, if not the best skaters in the Pacific Division, maybe of all of the NHL. It, it, it would be an g- incredible dynamic, eh? I, and
1: is- I love that psychological kind of soup that that creates for Jack Eichel because we saw what he was capable of when he's kind of pissed off when he has something to prove in Buffalo. Well, now I need to outplay Connor McDavid, or at least I have to try. him to bring my best game because in any other draft year other than 2015 where both of these guys went one and two, he would have been the number one overall pick.
0: ESPN in Las Vegas. We're speaking with Lindsey Brown, breaking down the VGK. Now, would you say that Jack Eichel is like that, where you cannot give him any space. Is that what the Oilers are going to pretty much try and do as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just don't want to give Jack uh, a a lot of place to work in the areas that he wants because he's not as tenacious as a player as Connor McDavid, and that's not a knock on him. He just uh, chooses his spots a little bit differently. But they really have to clamp down in the offensive zone when he has possession, when he's looking to loop, especially on the power play. And so if I'm Edmonton, I'm like, guys, we got to stay out of the box because Vegas has a great power play. We don't want to get them going. We don't want to get those vibes of of those confidence because I would much rather have them uh, say, Mark Stone, you beat me in front of that versus Jack Eichel, getting those looks wide open in the slot. But again, if this is going to be more of a rush-heavy type of game, I don't like that for Vegas. I really don't, and it's not anything that Jack doesn't do. It's just from top to bottom, they're not used to playing that style, at least this season, and I think that the, the high-end talents on Edmonton are just a little bit more shiny than ours.
2: So we'd be remiss if we did not transition to the, to the crease between yes. the pipes because we are speaking to a premier goaltender. Logan Thompson has been phenomenal. He has been exactly what... Hate to pat myself on the back, oh boy. but I've been saying it since all summer. When it was like, "What are they going to do, Robert Leonard, Oh my gosh, he's, he's you know he's going to have two hip mm-hmm. surgeries. He's not going to." Lowen Thompson was going to be fine. Now I'm not comparing the two like they're similar in terms of Jordan Bennington, but what I did say the situation in terms of Bennington getting thrown into the fire in 2019 when the Blues were in last place, and then they went on to win the Stanley Cup, and he was a rookie and he took over the starting job. I felt like last year what Peter DeBoer did for Thompson is benefiting him now. It was enough. This is the AHL goaltender of the year at one point. The next step is to go to the NHL. It takes time, repetition in the NHL, and Mm -hmm. we're seeing the fruits of his labor, Lynn.
1: Yeah, and brutal honesty about your position because it's easy to kind of get high off your own stash if you come in and have so much success. And so I I think that he's a pretty critical guy, and and while he's played well, I think that there's been a lot of pucks that he's left out there that otherwise shouldn't be out there. I asked him about it. Uh, following the game the other night I don't know if he'll be in the next tonight. it might be Aiden Hill who knows but regardless um, he's been popping out a few more rebounds that are are hitting his hands and and that's kind of a little bit of a disaster scenario when you're talking about a reactionary goaltender where he reacts up rather than his weight going forward because you can kind of kill puck's momentum that way versus up then you're like oh where is it it's falling from the sky chicken little like it, it can get a little wonky but I asked him about it because he said that he's a low goaltender, which is true when he's in his stance. But when he's not in his stance, when he's tracking the puck, when he's trying to find it, you know, as it's going D to D up high and he's trying to make sure that he's staying on his angle. He's standing straight up. He's tall. He's a big dude. That's why he's so explosive laterally because he's got springs for legs. And so I'm still trying to figure out where some of the missed timing is because he said he wasn't really concerned about. It. I'm a little concerned about it. But is it because he's not getting down into his stance quick enough, or is it just because pucks are fighting through screens like he said the other night? All of these things can be true at the same time. But regardless, I would like to see uh, 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 fewer pucks getting popped up off of his hands or at least getting directed into a lesser dangerous part of the ice, into the corners, away from the net front. All
2: right, so let's talk about tonight. Edmonton, Vegas, this is not going to be an easy game. Doesn't matter how well Vegas has been playing. This is gonna be one of those challenges on the road, as you mentioned, against a guy like Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. based on and, and you watch more NHL on the whole than I do. I, I've become accustomed to putting it on at home, but you're you're the type that probably watches highlights and replays and so on and so forth. What have you seen with Edmonton? What's going to take place in your eyes? Take us into the future, Lins.
1: Well, they're a team that loves to get going downhill towards the offensive zone, and so sometimes their forwards leave their defensive zone and leave their defenders on islands a bit. So if there's a good forechecking pressure, and the Golden Knights need to do a better job of establishing the forecheck, they weren't able to do that last time because there was a lot of turnovers. Uh, by the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm not going to be beggars, can be choosers. How did we get the puck in the offensive zone and maintain that possession? But it doesn't allow you to get as physically engaged in the game. You don't settle in, and all of a sudden people are overskating pucks and the passes that should be taped to tape are now area passes. And it's just, it's not as crisp. And so if the Golden Knights are able to establish that pressure, those Edmonton defensemen that are very, very vulnerable at times, and their net minders as well, Stuart Skinner has been okay. Jack Campbell's been brutal so far this season but it's about making sure that you're you're maintaining pressure and forcing Edmonton to fight their way out because if they're just getting free reign to be able to skate things out and they have soft gaps, it's not going to go well because they're going to outskate you or they're going to catch you on a bad change, especially during the second period. The Knights have been brutal during the second periods, especially when you're on the road when you have when you don't have the benefit of last change. And so it's playing a harder brand of hockey and and, and sticking to that as best as you can and getting Edmonton off their game and finding your way through physicality.
0: ESPN Las Vegas, throw the flag live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. Gooch Willie here with Lindsey Brown talking NHL, talking Knights. And let's just ship over to the NHL real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, sports is always evolving. And there was at one point where the slap shot was a super important shot in hockey. And now it's becoming more and more obsolete.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're just going to make sure we give all the free plugs to the Athletic cuz they're writing some great stuff this week. There's an article about the the evolution of the slap shot and how it's just not economical in this year in the NHL these days because you can get disrupted in the shooting lane. You can get shot blockers like Alec Martinez or guys that are just re- really good at skating and disrupting your your shooting motion and getting those turnovers. Again, this is about the diversi- Oh my goodness. Diversification of the offense away from Vegas because when you have those pucks up high, again, you're more susceptible to turnovers. And when you're taking slap shots, you're usually taking them from a more stagnant position. Those one-timers cross zones are one thing, but the slap shots are another. So you're seeing a lot of more wristers for your sisters, a lot more snaps, and just overall a quicker uh, uh, artillery towards the net because you're trying to catch goaltenders before they set their edges, before, again, shot blockers get in your shooting lane. And so... It's it's something that's certainly fun to practice. I love playing with a good clap bomb, and, and but as a goalie, they're kind of easy to save too because you know exactly that they're going to stay on the angle that they are because it's just a battering ram, and it's just about getting rubber or not rubber behind it, getting your pads behind it because it's just going to be a big rebound and you're good to go. So, it's it's a dying art, but I, I think it's better overall for the game skill-wise.
2: The phrase that Linz continues to use this this year. The diversification of the offense. Uh, it's it's now going to be the phrase for hockey, just like the annexation of Puerto Rico came from <laughs> yes. Little Giants. You know, I, I, every time she says it now, I think of that. Annexation of Puerto Rico, diversification, the diversification of the offense. As they are so. saying that
1: that uh, Alex Petrangelo was the savior the other night, he scored the first goal for a defenseman in T-Mobile Arena th- so far this season, which is kind of nuts to think Amazing. about. It's Amazing. a big swing
2: diversification into all of
0: my senses.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, So, hey, before we cut away, don't forget, tomorrow, Gooch and I will be out at the Westgate, if Gooch makes it after his show tonight. (laughs) Uh, Sunday football preview show at the Westgate. I am on from 8 to 9. I stick around from 9 to 10 with some prizes and giveaways. The International Theater, 1,500 seats smoke-free environment. Gooch has given stuff away 9-12. to 12. The party is always happening for NFL Sunday at the West Gate, so come by, check us out. We will be there. When we come back, we are going to close things out. The final flag, and we're going to take a little bit of a somber but nice feel-good ending to today's show. When we get back, Gooch, Willie, Throwing the Flag, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook, Bar, and ESPN Las Vegas. final flag
0: Closing
2: time. Um. Open all the doors there we go guys throw the flag you know every time I hear that song I think of uh, the movie friends with benefits
0: I whenever yeah whenever I hear that song I always think of uh, Just the just the 90s in general it's like they because they took that song and i mean they crammed it down our throats it was in friends it was in friends with benefits it was in uh several other movies it's like oh you couldn't get away from it but if we're ending the show perfect show ending song
2: it is and i want to make mention um we had a psa a couple of breaks back talking about uh suicide prevention and today is national survivors of suicide day and we are approaching the holidays and it's a happy time for many but this is a time when depression kicks in for a lot of people unbeknownst to them it just hits it used to hit me really hard on thanksgiving morning um and i just because even though i lost my grandfather back in 1993 and it was in April, I just know that when the holidays hit, he was a big part of it, he, and he loved Thanksgiving, he loved cooking, he loved having everybody over. And so, for a lot of people, it just kicks in. So, you know, uh, don't forget to be kind for the holidays. This past Tuesday, I, I did a baggage, what we call the baggage project. I do it every single year with a local uh, high school girls basketball coach. He was at Spring Valley, now he's at Liberty um, in his sports leadership class where the kids write out the baggage that they feel they're carrying around. They write them anonymously. I get the essays about a week before. I read them all. Then I take two or three of them, and I read to one class, two or three from the other class, read it to the And these kids listen to what their classmates are actually going through. And, Gooch, when you read these anonymous stories about kids and what they've experienced and what they're going through at the ripe age of 15, 16, 17, some kids. Even younger. One, one kid wrote that uh, – Either he or she, and I won't say which gender or anything, but is now walking around with scars on on the arms because of a suicide attempt that nobody knew about, but now people, when they when they ask, and um, but it just took talking and so on and so forth. So you know, I I, I just want to get that out there. That just remember, people, you know, especially social media these days, and um, you know, just remember who you're talking to. That you don't know what anybody's going through.
0: Right, and that, and that's why social media. It's like, look, it, you, you're just giving. There's so many ways that you could spread positivity over social media and if you got to spread something negative you know what just don't say it because you're gonna hurt your own cause and the one thing i've noticed too is i've had friends that have struggled with depression and and struggle with self-worth and just like you brought up doing something good for others yeah if you are going through a, a hard time in your life and you're wondering what your whole purpose is Doing something for others is so
2: huge
0: because they will look at you and their eyes. Every year, I would always team up with a Three Square Food Bank, and we would have these people. And the biggest, and the people that would donate the most were always the ones that used it at one point in their life.
2: Well, and to transition there, the Raiders, um, you know, they've always been an outreach type of uh, organization. Um, they're going to be doing Thanksgiving meal box distribution. It's set for Tuesday at Allegiant Stadium. Um, Assistant in the community, uh, Valley residents in need of food assistance are encouraged to visit the drive through site at Allegiant Stadium Tuesday, November 22nd. Pick up Thanksgiving meal boxes that will be distributed by volunteers, including the Las Vegas Raiders offensive line, the Raiders, and three square food bank staff. Um, First-come, first-served drive through activity. It takes place Tuesday night. Parking lot G, 430 to 730, or until the 600 meal boxes have been distributed. Participants should enter at gate 9 from Dean Martin Drive. Um, And for everybody's safety, all visitors must be in a vehicle to receive the boxes filled with turkeys, fixings, fresh produce. Recipients should make sure their trunks are cleared out so volunteers can load the boxes safely and efficiently. Great, great uh, program and 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 gesture from the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, um, you know, for, for what they're going through um, on the field, you know, they've never lost focus of becoming a part of this community off the field in all that they do, once again, uh, for Thanksgiving doing a mailbox distribution this Tuesday.
0: And it's all about giving back, guys. It's all about giving back. I, I It's almost giving back. It's weird because – it can be kind of selfish when you give, yeah. and when and, and when you're being selfish. What I mean is like having just watching somebody's face light up, watching somebody with just nothing but thankfulness just right. written all over their cheeks. It's it changes your mindset. So if you are in the dumps, I promise you, doing this one thing will make things exponentially better.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I I did a after I did the. Uh the the baggage project on, and went and spoke to the kids on Tuesday. I, I went on my IG and I did a uh, one of those questions. You know, you cut, you put the question box and then, and one of the kids asked questions. Uh, said, you know, after hearing everything that you went through as a child and then you know just in general and, and then dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts and, you know, and the pain, is why do you continue to do for others and not put yourself number one? Well, how how do you how do you do that? And I. My answer was, you know, for, for that particular person was, you know, they say that sometimes the saddest people have the biggest smiles. And you mask it. Some people turn to, and I'm not encouraging this, but they're chemical dependent, they're alcoholic dependent. When they're going through something, that that's that's their, what they turn to. Some turn to whatever it may be. Uh, I tend to send these random text messages out to groups of people just like, hey, I was thinking about you today. Just want to let you know, have a great day, have a great weekend, have a great this, have a whatever, you know, I'll send, I do that randomly Um, or, you know, just doing for others. And a lot of times that can be healing When when you're there for somebody else, when you're thinking of somebody else, it tends to help heal what you're going through for whatever reason. Because a lot of times you feel like you're alone. So a lot of times you feel as if, there's nobody doing for you so in order to sort of remind yourself that there's good in the world you do for someone else it 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 it, it can be healing as you said and just like you said you know you
0: putting yourself out there you doing so much for others you guys the world is weird and it will come back yep. to benefit Tenfold. you. It will come back to you. This goodness, this kindness, will come back to you. And here's the thing: just don't have any expectations. Don't have a timeline on when this on, on when this good karma is coming back around. Because the more you put out there, the more it will come. You just don't know when. Well, just and don't, stay and don't positive. Do
2: it because you're expecting something right. in return. Either. Right. Just, right. Just be kind. You know, especially again during the holidays. It. It. I can't stress to you. You know how important that is, and because you, know, you, as I said, you just never know what people are going through. And you know what, you, your best friend could you can find out tomorrow that they took their life because you had no clue. We're so, all connected, we're all connected. Uh, we will hear for, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks because we are off next week. Each and every one of you have a blessed Thanksgiving, whatever it is that you're going to do. Enjoy the turkey, enjoy the football. Gooch and I are at the Westgate tomorrow. Sunday football preview show from 8 to 9. Gooch is throwing the party from 9 to 12. Tonight, UNLV Hawaii pregame at 7, kickoff 7.30 with Caleb Herring, Russ Langer, Steve Coffield on the call. For our guests, Lindsey Rhodes, Jay Schrader, JVT for Gooch, for Lindsey Brown, for Mateo, myself. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Much love to you all. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas.